Good morning, York University. How are we doing today? So, I've tried to think of how to sum up this year in this study that we're doing over identity. This is something I honestly feel like there's a lot of people more qualified to talk about than I am. So I'm going to come up here and give my best at it, and hopefully I hit, hit a few targets here and there. So what are some of the things that we've learned about identity this year as, as a teacher of education? I think it's important that we reflect and think about the learning that we've been given. We've heard a lot of stories and a lot of descriptions, a lot of different types of identity, and everybody that's shared has had something different to bring to the table. And why is that that way? Well, because identi identity is hard. It's difficult. It's why there's so many people trying to find it. It's why so many people are trying to seek it and why people are constantly changing it. Identif identity is a combination of things you are born with, things you do, and things you experience. So I wanted to take a look. I'm, I'm an ex-science teacher. I got to bring some nerd to the table. So let's take a look about how unlikely it is that you are you. So biologically, the odds of you being you, that's the exact combination of your mom and your dad that you are, is one in 400 quadrillion. If you want to know how unlikely that is, just look around because most people in this room don't even know that there is a quadrillion. Million, billion, trillion, quadrillion. And I can't even begin to explain how large of a number that is, but basically if we use the unit of basketballs, it would take 400 quadrillion basketballs to fill the entire Atlantic Ocean. It's a huge number. But that's not just us. That's not necessarily our identity. On top of that, you have to multiply the, uh, the probability that your parents met in the first place and that all the decisions that led from them meeting to you being born and multiply that by every ancestor you've ever had all the way back to the beginning of human existence. That's how unlikely it is that you are you. Now, also add that you were born at the exact time, the exact place, in the exact community, with the exact people around you that you were born with that helped influence you to become who you are today. It's astronomical when we think about it. And what does it mean? It means that you are the only you that's ever existed. You are the only you that will ever exist. And it makes us unique, and it makes us special. As said by King David in Psalm 139, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How will I know it? We are unique and we are special. We are individuals. But we are not designed to be individuals. We are designed to go together. We are designed for community. We need each other. And much like a mosaic, it's only when you put us together that you can see how amazingly wonderful we are. 
But also like a mosaic, we need things to tie us and bind us together. And love is one of those things. We are called to love one another. When asked what the greatest commandment was, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. I think it's important to note that when he answered this, people were trying to like trick him so he would say something wrong. And they were trying to pin him down like he doesn't know what he's talking about. And as he gave this answer and a couple of others, the people that were questioning him decided we should just stop asking him questions and get out of here. It was perfect. There was no answer for it, no reply. In 1 John 4, 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We are called to love one another. And if we don't know what that looks like, we don't know how to do that, we're given a blueprint in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in but rejoices in with the truth. It always protects, love always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But, you know, I, I spent a year working for a guy named Rick Stever at Stever Masonry, and I learned a lot about binding agents. I had to make a lot of concrete and mortar, mixed stuff that held things together. And I learned that at special times and special circumstances, you've got to put some extra ingredients in those binding agents so they work. Sometimes love needs a little extra ingredient. One of those extra ingredients is courage, because it's hard. It can be scary. We are called to be courageous. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua 16.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. One thing that's often overlooked about courage is that courage requires fear. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather than the assessment that something else is more important than fear. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. Nelson Mandela. Winston Churchill said fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. So if we are called to love, and love requires courage, this is a little winding path here. Courage requires the overcoming of fear. What is it that we're afraid of? What is that fear that's holding us back from loving one another and becoming the community we need to become? Is it fear of, fear of failure? Is it fear of success? Is it fear of the unknown? Is it fear of people knowing you? and who you really are. There's a lot of things that we can be afraid of, and to answer that, we, we each got to find that out for ourselves. 
But one thing is for certain is that the actions of love are greater than the fear that you're experiencing. For God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of of power, love, and self-discipline. And I want to go back to this one Bible verse real quick, because there's part of it that I think we often overlook. Because this is actually not two commandments. This is three. Love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Treat yourself with the same exact principles that 1 Corinthians calls us to love with. Be patient, be kind, keep no record of wrongs. In order for us to love one another, we have to love ourselves as well. And to close, God doesn't just call us to do it. He did it. There has never been a greater act of love and courage than what Jesus did for us. And I think going into Easter weekend, I would be doing a great disservice if I didn't point that out. I'm so glad that I don't have to replicate this act that it was done for me. And it's something that I hope we all can take as we go forward through this week. Thank you very much.